In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success and who to find it? That's the big question. Is it measurable? Can you obtain it? Can you dream it? Can you hold it? I'm on a quest to redefine how we view success, and I'd like to bring you on this journey. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. Welcome to Be Fulfilled, the real stories behind success. This is episode number 24 with Melanie DeRose, and this show is brought to you today by Ship Offers, where they make ship happen and make you more money. Check them out at shipoffers.com. Now, Melanie is the founder of Impact, a woman-owned natural food snack company from Boulder, Colorado. The EM stands for Empowering Women and Girls, the PACT for helping them make an impact in their families and in their communities. She is also the co-founder of FayFit, a premium health and fitness company for women, and periodically serves as an adjunct professor at the University of Texas School of Law, teaching advanced legal writing. Now, before becoming an entrepreneur, Melanie worked as an attorney. Prior to that, Melanie worked as an external affairs manager in Los Angeles for SBC Communications, now AT&T. She's a graduate from the University of Texas School of Law and the University of California at Los Angeles. Today, and through her work at Impact, she helps empower, inspire, and motivate women to make a difference in their lives and in their communities. She's also married to a fellow health nut slash attorney and a former race car driver and is the mother of two soon-to-be-three smart, independent little girls. Please welcome to the show, Melanie DeRose. Thank you so much for having me, Tony. I'm humbled to be here. You've done a lot. And this thing, you're only 21. (laughs) Only, if only. I'm glad you're telling your listeners that though. We'll go with that today. So backstory real quick before we get started up Success Mountain. I've known Melanie for the past three and a half years and have had a chance to watch her husband, Zeke, and Melanie literally explode onto the scenes with two phenomenal brands and also seeing them go through some ups and downs of running a brand company, like a food company, right? Where like they're launching a bar, they've had a digital on-demand kind of workout program. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today and so much more. But before we kind of get into the show, I ask this one question to kind of kind of just see where we go from it is what is your definition of success look like? Yes, it's changed over the years. So I love this question because if you would have asked me this five years ago, I would have had a different answer. So to me, the definition of success is waking up every day, loving what you do. So having found a passion finally in my life, I can say that and being surrounded by people I love. I'm incredibly successful because I have an amazing family, an amazing support system, amazing friends. And so being able to get up every day and be passionate about what I'm doing and feel like I'm making a difference, I kind of wrap that up all in a box and call that success. Perfect. I think that's a great place for us to start. Just a little backstory on you. Where did you grow up, brothers and sisters? Paint the picture a little bit for us. The reason I ask is we're going to get ready to climb up Success Mountain. And I know from over a thousand interviews from talking to tons of entrepreneurs, your childhood shapes a little bit of your thought process and kind of some of the things you become to want to be and inspired. So I just kind of want to know a little bit about where you grew up, kind of paint a little picture, and then we'll start climbing up Success Mountain. Yeah, sure. I grew up in a small town in Texas called Lubbock in the Panhandle. So West Texas girl, Most of my friends who were born there are still there. It's kind of one of those places that's tough to get out of when you grow up there. But my family ended up moving to Austin when I was in the middle school kind of age of my life. I've got a younger brother, an older sister, and my parents still married, been together forever. 
And after, uh, just to kind of fast forward a little bit, so I spent my younger years in Texas, went off to California uh, where I went to UCLA. And I have not, I did get back to Texas for a brief stint to practice law. But now that I'm a recovering attorney, I'm no longer in Texas and now living in the Denver Boulder area in Colorado. Wow. Okay. Really quick. I know you had to be somewhat of a decent student in high school to be able to go on and do some of the things that you did. What was your kind of fun stuff that you were looking at doing when you were in high school? Were you a cheerleader? Were you in theater? Tell me a little bit about that. So I was that kid that was like picked last to be on the team for any PE activity. I was like the shrimpy kid. And it's funny because one of my law students a couple of years ago was like, it's really ironic that you own a fitness company now. I'm like, I never thought about that, but it is ironic. So I was the, the shrimpy kid. I was not good at sports, tried, failed. And so just, you know, accepted that early on. I got into gymnastics and dance, uh, fell in love with dance and pursued that really in high school, ended up being captain of my dance team. And that was a big part of my life at the time. First leadership position I had had, but you know, it's funny. I wanted to mention, you said something earlier about your childhood, really molding a lot of who you are. I've done a lot of kind of introspective work this year. And I found out that comment is so true. Like where you grew up, how you were brought up can affect so much of who you are. I've really been able to kind of see that this year. I didn't mean to get off on a tangent, but I want to make sure we come back to that. But yes, dance was really my calling in high school. I was pretty boring other than that. I knew forever I was going to be a lawyer. My dad was a lawyer. My sister was a lawyer. I grew up with a bunch of lawyers. And so I thought forever that I would be in a courtroom practicing law for the rest of my life. And now I own a food company. So we can all see how that turned out. Well, I don't think we all start out one day going, I'm going to own a food company. That's what I want to do, right? Uh, I don't think that is necessarily. So we're going to talk about that. I want to go back really quick because if we talk a little bit about kind of how we grew up and the things that happened to us, shape us and our thoughts, and then begin to kind of play games and tricks on our minds, because I was one of those kids that wasn't picked first. I was one of those kids that almost had to act out to get picked and act like if I was good when I really was not and I was just trying to uh, fit in. What did that feel like for you to be the kid picked last? It felt horrible. And on top of that, so I was a really small, shrimpy kid. Like I was just, I was not athletic. I was also skinny. I was small. I also kind of in the like end of elementary school and middle school years, I had this group of girls that really picked on me. I mean, just they were terrible. I have a no mean girl rule in my life right now because of these girls. And because I went through that, I lost a lot of confidence. It took me a while to become like to develop social skills after going through that. So I had, you know, these two things being picked on all the time by these girls. I was not a cute kid. I was freckly. I had a perm like everyone else did in that time period. And, you know, was trying to make that look good, which is not very, which is hard to do. And so I had a lot working against me, but it did shape a lot of who I am. I think better and for worse. You know, it took a while. It stripped me of confidence. But on the other hand, being the mother of two, almost three girls, like I have no patience for that mean girl stuff. So, you know, we're really big on our household about being kind and making sure you're taking care of the kiddo who's in the back or who's new and who doesn't get any love because I was that kid and it sucks to be that kid. If you were to run into them at um, a Starbucks, would you walk up to them or just walk past them? Today? Yeah. 
I'd probably walk past them just to be totally honest. I don't hold any grudges. I've, I've let go of all of that, but I, you know, I don't think I would have any interest in getting, you know, I don't find any reason, I guess, to reconnect with them. No, and I I get that. And I think that's a, a great answer, right? Like I don't hold any resentments. However, I don't need to go back and rekindle old things that I've decided to move past. I love that. I think it's fascinating. And the reason why we ask these questions is, you know, the show's all about finding fulfillment. And if you have a no mean girl policy in your house, I think just a no being mean policy in general, right? You've chosen to say like, I am not my past and what happened happened, but I'm going to create an amazing dynamic future for our kids and people around us. And that's why I go with Gandhi's kind of be the change. Like what happened happened, but what's happening right now is up to me to create kind of that mindset. And so I love what you're doing. And I love the fact that you said for the past year, you've been doing a lot of work. Tell me a little bit about the work you've been doing, because I think it's fascinating to close that loop and we'll keep moving. Yeah. I mean, one big realization from this work and I'll, I'll get into it and I'm still working on it because it's new for me is, you know, having gone through that time in my life where I did feel very disempowered, I mean, very left out, not included. And now my whole personal mission and my business mission is about empowering women and girls. I mean, obviously there's a link there. It it took me many, many years to kind of connect the dots and it really wasn't until this year. And actually the help was Zeke who really pointed out and said, hey, you know where this is all stemming from? So this year through personal development work, I've really discovered something that I always knew was there, but just never labeled it. I'm very passionate about helping other women and whatever that means, inspiring them, motivating them, helping them in any way. I get a lot of personal fulfillment out of that. And I have been lucky enough to carry that into both businesses. So on the fitness side, you know, it was really working with women to try to help them be the best version of themselves. It wasn't a weight loss, get skinny product. It was a take time for yourself, feel better about yourself product. On the food side, being part of a company that has a social mission of empowering women and working with nonprofits to help do that. I've been so lucky to find a way to take my personal mission and put it to my business. I think one of the things that has really made me realize the value of that, especially being someone who didn't have a job that I was passionate about for many, many, many years, is going through all this personal development work, which I think a lot of people take for granted. So I really, this has been the first year that I've like picked up a book that you could call quote unquote, a self-help book. I've read many of them. The first one I read was called Mindset by Carol Dweck. And it talks about how it basically made me realize like I'm again in my own way, right? I, my mindset is fixed and I, or it was, and I get in my own way and I wasn't allowing a lot of personal growth. And that book really opened my eyes and made me, you know, move on to a whole bunch of other books. And I kind of interspersed business related books and personal development books. You know, I alternate back and forth. And by the way, if I sound out of breath, it's because I'm like 100 months pregnant. And so (laughs) talking on your podcast is actually like the equivalent of running a marathon at this point. But anyhow, I also get really excited about this stuff. The other thing I did was I went through a personal development, like a leadership course that was, you know, centered around emotional intelligence, which I didn't even know what that was before this year. And I realized after going through that leadership program that I really lacked a lot of emotional intelligence. I, I'm someone who I can relate to people easily, but it was more on a surfacey level. And so I really dug deep. And the purpose of the program was to number one, expose the really great things about yourself and let you figure out how to highlight those. So that's on the one hand. And then on the other hand, expose what are those limiting things that are getting in your way and that are holding you back from reaching your full potential. And I'm not saying I'm there yet, but I'm definitely 
I've made a lot of progress in this past year, just actually putting some effort into working on that stuff. I love it. And, you know, a friend of ours, Dove Barron, who I've interviewed on the show, said this a long time ago to me and it really stuck. And I hope it maybe it resonates today with you. He says, your purpose is hidden on the other side of your pain. Yeah. And you have to do some work to find it. It exists for all of us. It shows up the same way. You know, I said this morning in discussion, it says, if you can change your habits, you can definitely change your life, right? Like, and so some of the habits were that you were stuck in a rut. You were going through the same thing. You probably looked at yourself like how you described you were freckly, frizzy, shrub, like small little person. And I don't believe you see yourself like that today. That's absolutely true. That girl is gone. Right. Sure. And what's interesting is that I, there's like three times in my life that I can go back. I can think of a certain thought and I can go back to being the kid who got picked last, who was kind of a loner, had to work extra hard. And I know those times, those times can pop up. And I think it's also why I show up the way I do today. And that's why I love talking about your mission and empowering women and leaving a legacy and making an impact and changing the thought processes of, of what happened, happened, but what's happening now you're in control of. And you're driving completely different. Your mission, how you're showing up, the work you're doing. I love the fact that you're in literature, reading about personal development. You're learning about yourself. That I wish more people would spend more time working on themselves than going and trying and build a business. Because yep. just go build a business without a mission is just <laughs> a job. And if you're cool, you'll make some money and maybe it'll suck the life out of you. But if you create something that you're passionate about from the start, because you want to leave a legacy, you want to build a mission, you want to do something, that's where the impact comes in. And that's what you're talking about. You're talking about this piece that was missing from kind of the corporate big company job that you had. I mean, you had some big things that you were doing and you're like, hey, I'm done. Like, I'm just going to walk away. I'm going to go find my heartbeat. And I think you're right on point with who you are today. You know, Success Mountain isn't a straight line. It's never easy. It's a lot of ups and downs. What are some of the early ups and downs you faced kind of deciding to become an entrepreneur and start out on this journey? Just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, the hardest part was actually making that jump. So it was not an easy like walk away. It was a very calculated, I analyzed the crap out of everything. So I had to weigh every risk. It took me a very long time, but I was, you know, I'm a recovering lawyer because I'm trying not to lawyer anymore, but I was working at a big international law firm and it was a lucrative job. I mean, it was very secure. Uh, I mean, I guess in this day and age, nothing is secure. It felt secure. I had a steady salary. I had healthcare and benefits, all those things that for someone like me who is very risk adverse and was or has been traditionally really fear-minded, I'm working on that a lot. Walking away from that security was the most difficult thing I've probably ever done in my life. And it's still difficult. It's still, you know, that fear mindset comes up all the time, especially in the financial context. I mean, I try not to let that drive everything I do, but it is a constant battle with me because there's just this nice, part of me likes this nice little cozy place when you have a steady salary and you know that you're going to be able to afford certain things. However, I don't have any regrets and I don't, and while I miss that security of it, there was so much more lacking that made it worth it. So the first, you know, battle I really faced was, okay, I'm going to make this jump and I'm going to have no idea 
if this is going to work. And at the time I hadn't been working on myself, so I didn't have a lot of confidence. I had in fact 75 reasons why this wouldn't work. I didn't go to business school. You know, I went to law school. I didn't have any experience in running a business. I didn't have any experience in running a fitness company. You know, I knew something about fitness, but I didn't know how to do this. And so gosh, doubt is such a weapon. I mean, it is such a weapon that it, it continues to get in my way. Um, and the only way I've been able to minimize that is to prove to myself continuously, like, hey, I'm standing here and I own a food company. I didn't, I'm not a chef, number one. I'm not a nutritionist or a dietitian. I don't have any background in food. No one I've ever known has run any kind of food company or anything like that. But I'm able to survive in this industry and I mean, more than survive, like we're doing really well and we're growing. And so when you do things like that, when you step out of your comfort zone, you start building that confidence. And so the fear stuff's getting a little bit better, but it's constantly something I have to work on. I like how you catch yourself because that's showing me that the always already always listening brain, right? Yeah. It's going, whoa, old programming, new programming, new yes. things that I'm working on. I got to stop myself because that's not how I want to show up anymore. I love that's personal development. That first, if you're listening right now, that's personal development. She's not messing up. She's catching up with what she's saying. I'm just pointing this out because I think that's a huge part of us growing is acknowledging everything we've done up to this point got us to where we're at. No matter what we've gone through, all the stuff that happened in your childhood, my childhood brought us to where we're at today. Everything along high school, college, your friends, our family, the successes, the failures all brought us to this point right here as we record today. So when you catch yourself, you're acknowledging your past and your present mindset. And I love that. It's hard though, right? I mean, it's easy to jump back some of the times into that past mindset. It's a battle, but I don't like that part of me. I, that's why I'm trying so hard to change it because I feel like it's limited me in so many ways. I mean, you know, running around being motivated by fear is crazy. And, you know, I have to constantly tell myself like, what is the worst thing that can happen? And then I'll get through, you know, some, what seems like a crazy challenge or issue. And then it turns out that it's typically a growing experience that something great comes out of it. So part of it was the realization that when you own a business, so, you know, I made the leap from the law firm, you start with your startup and then you just start having, you know, typical business problems, funding or manufacturing at the time we had a manufacturing issue when we were doing our first set of DVDs. And it feels like the biggest problem, failure moment of your life when it happens. It's something that you're like, oh my gosh, is our business going to survive? Are we going to be able to you know, get through that? Every one of those big problems feels like it could just take you down. And to be able to stomach that and realize like, I can get through this. Like there are going to be issues. And when you're running a startup, I feel like you, you have issues every day. In fact, in the food business, someone told me, uh, one of my mentors was like, in the food business, you get, it's like you get punched in the face and hugged every single day. And the goal is to count your punches and your hugs at the end of the day and be ahead with the hugs. <laughs> and so there's many days I've been ahead with the punches. It just happens just like any other small business owner. But you know, that's challenging from a mindset perspective. It's challenging for someone like me who, you know, is kind of can like default to this freak out mode that I like to describe it as when big problems happen. And so I think developing kind of your armor to be able to deal with traditional business problems has been part of that, like, you know, not straight edge up the mountain, but making you zigzag and make different choices and have different experiences. Yeah. You got to have thick rhino skin for sure in this industry, right? Because That's a lot right. of people, how many people so far in your journey told you no, just on your bar concept alone for coming up with a food concept? 
Oh my, I countless, I can't even count. And you know, I've had people tell me from the beginning, like, why would you do that? You don't have any experience doing that. You're a lawyer or you own a fitness company to people even as recent as last year being like, yeah, I don't get the women's angle. Like, I just don't get it. And because I don't get it, we're not going to take you in our store. And so I, we hear no, of course, all the time. And I hear it from people that I really respect but I believe in it. And I believe that my passion is really guiding me and the stuff that we're doing to help women is what, you know, motivates me every day. So you just have to like get rid of those naysayers and keep going. Yeah. No, doesn't mean no. In my book, I've discovered a way of flipping that around to it's on. Oh, you told me no. Okay. Thanks very much. I'm going to chalk this up on my little board. It's on and I'll come back someday. And I'm going to say no, not right now and keep moving forward because I've also learned that a lot of people they're just programmed. They're programmed to say no because they look at a couple of things and they don't see it. And that's why I love watching the Shark Tank because some people just see past all of the, I don't have all the skills and all of this, but I have passion, desire, and the willingness to work and hustle and never quit. And that's why when I got introduced to you guys almost three and a half years ago, my heart literally turned to support, love, and how can I help? And it wasn't a money thing, right? Like it wasn't like, oh, I want to go make money with them. I want to help them because I totally believe in your mission. And now it's so dialed in. I think you're so more on point with where you're headed and what you're doing today. I think so long we throw so many things at the wall, just see what sticks. And now you're so focused. Mm -hmm. That is, you know, because you weren't an entrepreneur before. Mm -hmm. You were a go to a desk job, do a job. And, you know, you stayed late and, and probably worked well into 80 and 100 hours on any given week. And you're probably doing that now, but you know how much more kind of reward there is doing it for yourself. That's right. And, you know, it's someone once said being an entrepreneur is just picking the 16 hours a day that you want to work. I think there's a lot of truth to that. But you also get to control it, right? I mean, I'm type A and I'm my own worst enemy when it comes to work-life balance. So for me, being a good model for my kids and also involving them, I mean, they're our chief taste testers because if you ever want honest feedback on a flavor, ask a five-year-old because they're not going to lie. But that was really important. I obviously couldn't do that in the legal context. So being able to get them involved, you know, my eight-year-old wants to do a business plan on how to sell bars at her school. Like, I think that's the coolest thing ever. And so that's kind of stuff is really important to me and was missing in, you know, my previous career, which is, you know, being a lawyer works for a lot of people. It just wasn't for me. You know, success mountain, as we were talking, you mentioned zigzags. Yeah. How many times have you felt like quitting so far? Mm. Like literally saying to yourself, you know what? Because you said fear so many times so far, like yeah. uh, in my, my world, it's false evidence appearing real. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious because I can even tell you in 17 years running a company and over 20 years being an entrepreneur, I've wanted to quit so many days and I'm just like, screw it. I'll just Apple. Every time I walk in Apple, they always ask me if I want a job. Every time I walk into Best Buy, they ask me if I want a job because I'm like trying to sell stuff to the people next to me because I just love helping people and I'm not going to go quit, but I have those quiet conversations when I'm alone by myself. Like, man, is it worth all this stress? Is it worth all this headache? Like maybe I should just go get a regular job and know exactly what I'm going to make every single month. I'm going to have less pressure over my head. So I'm just asking these questions today to dig a little deeper into your mindset. How many times have you felt like quitting since you got started? You know, it's interesting. I've never really used the word quit, but I have the, what the scenario you just laid out of the like, God, it would really just be easier to go get a J-O-B and get money and have security. I mean, countless, especially in the beginning, before I was working on myself and even identified that it was fear that was motivating me a lot. 
I didn't really, I didn't think of it as quitting. I just always thought of it as I'm going to have to go do something on the side. I'm going to have to do something on the side. But you know, when I got the first call from a customer who had said, your program changed my life and I'm on the phone and I'm like, how is that possible? And it was the most gratifying phone call. And I think we talked about it for about an hour about how, you know, she'd been trying to lose weight and she finally found this program. And that, that moment in that moment, I was like, I can't ever go back. Like there's nothing, I have never felt like that, that gratification of being able to help somebody. And you know, when we, so right now we work with nonprofits that help women. And when I walk into those nonprofits and there's these women who are victims of domestic violence and chronically underemployed and they're boxing our bars and, you know, shrink wrapping them. And they're looking at me like, thank you for giving me a job today. That's when I go, even on my worst day, that is what motivates me because I'm like, that's what matters. I mean, we happen, I know obviously sales and marketing are important and we need to make money, but I can't go back to not having the gratification and the satisfaction of being able to fulfill that passion of helping people. And you can do that in other careers. It's just, I have found the one that I think really works for me. Yeah. And I love what you're doing. You're giving back, you're serving. I just watched a really good movie not too long ago. Same kind of different as me. It was really, really cool. And I just recommend if you get a chance to check it out, Renee Zellweger is in it. Also Greg Kinnear, John Voight's in it. And it was her passion. And they had this, this issue in their marriage and they were, the husband and wife were kind of at odds and there was some issues and Renee was just like hard pressed, honey, let's keep doing this. Let's keep doing this. And next thing you know, she opens a mission and doing some service work and changes people's lives. Your story sounds, I know there's not a lot of stuff going on at home that's wrong because you got to, obviously you've got a, another child coming soon. So I know the intimacy and all the good stuff is there. And I know there's hard stuff at home with running a business and trying to do that, but you've got support. The idea is, is what you're doing to make an impact and leave a legacy. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about today. That was the movie. There's the inspiration is to keep moving forward. And then it's a tearjerker. So be ready for that. So maybe after the pregnancy. Oh, um, no, I don't like sad movies. I don't know that I could see it. But yeah, maybe. no, it's it's actually it made me cry. And that's <laughs> those are the kind of movies that make me for a moment say, OK, I can do this. Yeah. Um, so, Melanie, what I'm going to do is we're going to take a quick little break on the Be Fulfilled show. So anybody who's listening, strap your boots in because that little spunky girl with freckles and Frizz Ash from Austin. So, you know, from Texas, she's got this, this spunk about her. We're going to come back and we're going we're gonna to run down Success Mountain and we're going to learn a little bit more about the insight. We're going to talk about the bar company and exactly how you're leaving a legacy. But I, I want to ask some tough questions. So be perfect for that and also the fulfillment round. So are you ready to hang on? I'm ready. All right. We'll be right back on the Be Fulfilled Show. Are you suffering from marketing dysfunction? Are you not able to perform online as well as you could when you were younger? Unable to keep up with the intimate demands of buying product, running offers, and shipping items to your customers? Say hello to Ship Offers, clinically proven to enhance the growth and longevity of your business. Get some today at shipoffers.com. We are back on the Be Fulfilled Show today. Special guest, Melanie DeRose. She is the founder of Impact, a women-owned natural food snack company from Boulder, Colorado. She also is the co-founder of FayFit, a premium health and fitness company. She used to be an attorney. She gave that up to be an entrepreneur. I don't think you ever lose it, but now her passion is about leaving an impact. She helps empower, inspires, and motivates women to make a difference in their lives and their community. She's married to uh, Zeke DeRose, just a phenomenal man. I love you guys to death. I'm excited you're a guest. 
And, you know, Melanie, as we come back down Success Mountain, I'd like to kind of learn a little bit of some of the pivots that you've had to make as running a business. Some things, you know, one day you're trying to get funding. One day, hey, your bar doesn't taste as good as it used to. One day, you know, they can't keep up with the demand. I want to learn a little bit about how you deal with adversity in your business. Yeah, sure. I mean, the first big pivot we made was kind of transitioning from the fitness company over to the bar company, right? Which was a huge decision. I mean, again, I was like, I don't have any experience or really know anything about food. And one of the things that made that pivot a little bit easier was to find a mentor and someone who is really experienced in this area. I don't actually know how you can jump into this business without someone who knows how to work it because it's a very unique business. So definitely that was the first pivot. Of course, I feel like I pivot on a daily basis. I feel like some crisis flares up. I have my day set. I know what I'm going to do. And then, you know, our shipment doesn't arrive from New York or it's damaged. We don't get the funding that we want. We, you know, something happens with the ingredients in our bar. They don't make that product anymore. And all of a sudden, you know, what are we going to do? So one thing that was very challenging for us, and I think it's probably challenging for a lot of people who are starting a food company is getting your product, the recipe honed in to exactly where you want it. And when we started, our manufacturer said, look, this process typically takes a year. And I said, there's no way, like we've got this. These bars are amazing. We've got this incredible nutritional, we've got the recipe we want. And so we rolled out with these bars. But you know, the difficult thing about a natural food product is there's no really way to test what's going to happen to that product at month one, two, three, four, five, six, until you make it on a commercial level, which means making thousands and thousands of that product. And then you just sit and watch it. And you're kind of just sitting there hoping for the best. I mean, they can do some shelf life testing, but it's not a shelf life issue. It's, is the quality and the taste and the texture going to last as long as you want it? So it did in fact take us about a year to get that all nailed down. That was very frustrating a very expensive process with R&D, trying to test different ingredients and figure out if we make this processing tweak, is it going to make you know the, the bar softer longer? And I think looking back over the year, I feel like I have now very much become an expert in how, you know formulating protein bars because Zeke and I have made a lot in our kitchen. And, and by the way, that's not where they're made. We actually make them at a really legit manufacturer. But R&D is expensive. So we usually start that process in our kitchen Mm. with flavors and stuff like that. And that's a challenging process. When you spend a whole lot of money producing food and then at month six, it does not behave the way you want it to behave. That's kind of an expensive learning experience. So that's a constant challenge. I think a lot of food companies, food company owners face, and we deal with it all the time. And luckily we finally got to the point where we've sort of relaunched our products the texture's awesome. We've introduced new flavors. We're working on other flavors. Um, really honed in on the women's angle with probiotic and prebiotic. So I think we've gotten in the right place, but it took a long time to get there. Yeah, and I've watched a lot of things unravel, right? I love the heart and passion between kind of your just team, your mindset. And I think you're pushing forward. And that's the important thing as an entrepreneur. You got to keep moving forward. Like there's going to be good days and bad days. There's going to be days where you do feel like I'm going to stop or quit or pivot or this isn't working. I'm going to throw in the towel or throw in the bar. And, you know, I love the consistency 
And I love the fact that, you know, you have mentors and people that are pushing you and asking you deeper, more meaningful questions. I love the fact that for the past year, you're really working on you. And I know Zeke's doing work on himself. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's one of the things that's so important today is to spend more time working on yourself than you do on anything else. Because if you get to know who you are, you'll get to know what you want to be. And now watching what you guys are doing, I really feel like your story has this beautiful kind of rhythm to it. It's now in harmony. It's now heading in the the right direction. Yeah, you're still going to have those days where you thought you were going to get money and it didn't fund properly or there's going to be some issues with the bar. But I love that you guys are just keep asking questions. You keep looking inward. You keep pushing. And I think if I don't know any more than what I know, I think those are the keys to success. And that's what I love about you guys. You definitely have to have a lot of perseverance, right? It's easy for people to give up. I think that's why a lot of businesses fail is at some point people are like, God, I just can't do this anymore. There's so many more challenges that there are benefits. At least it feels that way in the beginning that you have to train your mindset to really look at the bigger goal. And also I think one thing that entrepreneurs are terrible at are celebrating like smaller victories. I mean, you know, I woke up this morning. That's I'm grateful for that. I made my bed. Victory as a mom with two kids and one that is really about to arrive at any moment. Like I, like I made my bed this morning. That's amazing. And that's obviously a really insignificant example. But so many times we'll get, we'll land a major account or we'll, we'll get this incredible, a customer called me the other day and left a message and said, Hey, you know, I'm not seeing your bars in Virginia and I just moved from Texas and I love your bars and there are these shops and you need to be in there. So I'd like you to call me because I'm going to go into these shops and demand that they carry you. And I just thought, what a cool message to get. Like who calls a company and says that? Like, that's pretty awesome. And it's very easy to just keep moving and disregard those things and be like, oh, okay, we got to fight for the next, land the next account or whatever we're going to do. But I think that it's important to frame your mindset of like really celebrating moments like that, which I just was, I thought that was really cool. And so it's easy to look past those things. Yeah, I was talking to uh, a mutual friend, Vinny Fisher, the other day. We were talking about 28.8 million small businesses, you know, that are going on and and less than, I think it was 4% of them make a million dollars. Wow, that's like, crazy. So there's like everybody's passion, you know, like I'm going to start a business. I got a, I got an idea. And I love, I love how our conversation's flowing today. I love the fact that anybody who's listening, take it from an attorney, take it from somebody who was picked on early, who just decided no matter what, I'm going to make this thing happen. Yep. Do you got a little uh, Austin twang? You got a little growing up. Did you have any of that? Oh Could my you God. tell you were from Austin? Yeah. Well, I was from Lubbock, which is even worse. And so I found this tape like cassette player. Well, I had to find a way to play it of me and my friend who were recording something when I was a kid. And I sounded like the biggest hick. I've, you know, I still say y'all, I still say fixin'. There's definitely some Texan left in me, but I don't know what happened. I think maybe being at UCLA, they people made fun of me enough that eventually that just went away. But yeah, it's still there. You you can't take the Texan out, you know, out of the girl, I guess. What would you say is your superpower? I think my superpower is motivating and inspiring women. If that's my if that's the one thing that I'm really working on and I think I can do well, it would be that. And I'm super happy to have that as a superpower. That's like, that's the best superpower I would want. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump into the fulfillment round. We're going to ask a bunch of questions. You can't phone a friend. You can't 
basically do anything other than make something up or just tell me what you think the answer should be. Oh my God. Okay. Um, last but least, um, there's no family feud, so he's not here to, uh, defend himself. So just okay. let me, let me tell you that straight <laughs> off the fact that, uh, we're just going to have some fun and we may drag him through the mud. Okay. Um, when you met Zeke, Oh wait, hold on a second. Are you ready for the fulfillment round? I'm ready. Bring it. All right. So when you met Zeke, what was he wearing? He was in a college class and he came in in almost a suit, like really nice button down and slacks. And he had a briefcase. And I was like, who is this guy who walked into a college class? I mean, he was coming from work, so it's not really fair, but nobody else was dressed like that. <laughs> nobody had a briefcase. I'm glad the only thing that's changed is he doesn't carry a briefcase around. He still dresses up, right? He's still he like the nicest me. looking guy. Yes. Anytime I walk into a room, he's all, he's a, he's a good looking guy. I'm okay with saying that. He is one hell of a good looking man. Yeah. I can't keep up with his style. He's, you know, he, he outfits me. All right. So <laughs> what was it like when he was racing cars for you? What was it like for you to sit in the stands or in the pits watching this man go around a track? What was your heart like? What was it beating hard or like your hands over your eyes going, oh my God, just don't die? Yeah. So, well, as you can imagine with my fear-based mindset, I was freaking out the entire time. I had the headphones on so I could hear the whole thing. And it was really exciting. It's, you know, I've, I've never been a big racing fan growing up, but when you know somebody that's going around the track, it's a totally different ball game and super cool to hang out in the pits, to watch them deal with the car um, to put the decals on, I put countless decals on that car. It was so fun, but yeah, it was scary. And when Earnhardt died, that was kind of like in the midst of when he started. It definitely was a big moment for me where I went, "Oh my god, this is much more dangerous than I thought it was." You know, they have all those safety harnesses. You think you're okay, and then somebody dies, and you're just like, "Okay, this this is real." So there were a couple of moments, and I remember one in particular where he hit the wall, which is kind of the, you know, the crash you don't want. And he was quiet for a few minutes on the headphone. I mean, I was both his mother and myself were in the stands holding hands, freaking out, like, say something, say something, tell me you're okay. And he said, I'm okay. And I was like, thank God. Um, so those moments were, you know, really scary, but it was super exciting time and fun for him. I mean, I know he misses that a lot. All right. Misses it a lot. Now we're talking bar company. We're talking about all of the flavors that, what's your favorite flavor that you've ever created in, in the, uh, let's say in the kitchen that didn't work out? Like what was your favorite flavor that didn't make it? <sighs> favorite that didn't make it, man. Well, we made, let's see, we've made kind of a lemon uh, blueberry flavor and it may make it. It just hasn't made it yet, but it was, it's a very good bar. It just didn't really go along with the line that we were developing. So all the other flavors we've made have made it. And my top favorite right now is chocolate peanut butter. Ooh. Yeah. Every single one I've ever tasted. I love them. And and I love when the fact that I I come into the office one day and they're just sitting bars on my desk and I'm like, thank you. These are, these are are awesome. All right. So you and Zeke get a sneak away. It's not to San Diego. It's not to San Francisco. It's not to Austin. It's not to New York. Where would you go? The South of France or to Italy. I'd probably pick the South of France and he'd pick Italy. So we'd have to figure out which one was going to (laughs) win. I like it. What's it like having two daughters? It's amazing. I mean, it's obviously for me, it's incredible because my whole world is about women and poor Zeke, you know, there's a lot of estrogen in our house. And so a lot of times he's just like, can I go lift some weights and go to the gym? I'm like, yes, but uh, my girls are everything to me and I'm excited. I'm about to have another one though. This is it. There's no more babies after this one. So we will be three girls and done. Um, But they're the light of my life along with Zeke. Do you have any animals or pets at your house? 
We do. We have two neurotic dogs that are border collies and that chase shadows and obsess over balls. Like you throw a ball. I mean, you could hold a stake up and they'd choose the ball over the stake. They're good guard dogs and I love them for that, but border collies are, can be a bit neurotic. So you got to spend some time with them. Favorite uh, country singer. My gosh. So I'm not a big country fan. So Garth Brooks. All right, cool. What's your favorite genre of music? Probably like alternative, uh, on the bordering the electronic. I love like my favorite band is Portishead, not very well known, but so I don't know how you would describe that genre alternative, I guess. What book are you currently reading? I'm reading The Power of Intention by Wayne Dwyer, which probably everybody and their mom have read, but finally I'm reading it. <laughs> yeah, that is a, that's a great book. Something that I learned is a little cool hack not too long ago. Somebody takes Audible and puts it at like one times and then reads the book at the same time and gets it kind of from a dual angle. So you hear the voice and then you're reading it and you're kind of hearing it out loud. Oh, cool. So, yeah. I have done that. Yeah. All right. So favorite color. Blue, like an aqua blue. Like my kids not ask the, me not that, the blue like, you're wearing right now, right? No, no. I have like two shirts that still fit me in this pregnancy, but like an aqua blue is kind of my favorite. All right. We'll see how this comes out. I'm just going to try to put this away. Okay. <laughs> Quest Bar, one of the big bar companies is knocking on your door and they say, hey, Melanie and Zeke, we love what you're doing. We want to get behind your mission. Here's a check for a hundred million or somebody sends you and invests a hundred million into your company. Actually, I'm going to make Quest's offers 200 million and somebody gives you a hundred million dollars. One to sell and one to keep going. What would you do? Man, the tough question because we've got investors and I'd want to involve them for sure. But in a, in my dream situation, someone would ultimately buy the company, but keep us on like as founders and have the role that we would still continue which is sort of common in the natural food space these days. And the reason being, because I'm very passionate about what I'm doing, but also I would want to make sure that the mission side of the women's empowerment would carry on. So if you just sell the company, you may throw that away. That would be hard for me. It would be much easier if I had the option to you know, sell it, but stay on. So that's obviously a pretty big difference in check size. So I'd have to weigh that, you know, pretty heavily. If they were equal amounts, I'd probably take the investment and continue to run it because I'm really loving what I'm doing. And I know that we're going to build this massive empire. But if I had in your deal, I think I'd look at, would it be possible for me to sell it, but still stay part of it? All right. Sports car or pickup truck? Pickup truck. There's your Texas girl right there. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is Melanie DeRose. You uh, got through the fulfillment round. We didn't drag too much dirt about Zeke. Man, but I will tell you, I did see a photo of you and Zeke not too long ago. He looked good with that fro and those outfits in front of his uh, car. I mean, I think you guys are just a dynamic, amazing couple. And I just want to say thanks for coming on. I know he wasn't here to uh, talk much, but uh, we did talk about you, Zeke. I love you. I appreciate you. I'm certainly looking forward to meeting your new daughter. And I just want to say thanks because I know what the journey of life looks like for you guys. And I know that you just keep pushing and pressing forward. And I think it's awesome. Well, you know, part of that comes from you. You've been an incredible mentor. We love you to death. And what's so amazing about you is you give without want. You were the definition of that phrase. I mean, it's inspiring for anybody who knows you. So thanks for taste testing 10,000 bars. <laughs> Any day. Feedback the whole way. 
but you're also an incredible friend. So I'm humbled to be here to talk to you today. Well, thank you. Last but least, uh, we'll drop some uh, links in so people can find Impact Bars, FaveFit. They can follow you on Facebook or they can follow you on LinkedIn. What's the best way to do that? Yeah. So the website is impactbars.com and it's with an E, impact with an E. And, you know, I'm happy to give a code to your listeners for 20% off. You can just put in podcast 20 if you want to buy any of our products. You can also find us on Amazon. And then if you want to find us on Facebook or Instagram, you're at the handles just at impact bars with an E. All right. That is Melanie DeRose. My name is Tony Grebmeyer. This is Be Fulfilled. Until next time, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, choose to make today the best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at trainersanddrivers.com and download my free mini course designed to give you more clarity and freedom in your day. It might just change your life forever. 